and I'll be having a conversation with someone who may not be familiar with my research and they'll, um, they'll be like, I've worn this top three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah, yeah. And I only washed my sheets once last week. And I'm like, and I'm like, um, backstory. I can't think of any more human activity than conducting science experiments. The game I play is a very interesting one. It's imagination in a tight straitjacket. The beauty of a living thing is not the atoms that go into it, but the way those atoms are put together. What I always think should be the basis of education is not answers, but questions. We should teach kids how to question. Welcome to Blabcopes. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Holly K. Smith, who is an academic and a social change activist. I think that's a really cool title. Thank you. Yeah. Took it's me a couple of years, but I got there in the end. Most academics just go for like, you know, what discipline are you in? And we're like, <laughs> we're on our way out here and we go, oh man, what discipline does Holly like? What is she in? But yeah, that's better. Just screw the disciplines. I know. <laughs> and I draw on so many disciplines. Yeah. Interdisciplinary. That's the thing now. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what we're trying to like push as well. Now, um, what what is a social change activist before we get into the journey? I think it would be good to just give, a nice, give us an idea of what that is. A social change activist, to my mind, because it is something that I kind of um, invented to coin and explain what I do, is basically um, capturing people's interest, um, educating them and getting them to capitalise on everyday life activity as a form of activism, something I call everyday life activism. Yeah, right. Now, how did you get on this path? What, what inspired you to go down this path? Because you've done a PhD, you've gone down the, the, the road of, of research and you create a lot of content as well. But what was the impetus to, what started you on this journey? I um, have always been a passionate conservationist. I've been, you know, rescuing and rehabilitating animals my whole life, you know, um, volunteering for charities and things to helping, helping um, people in need. So I've always had that kind of an interest. Um, but growing up, I, 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 and I'm a very passionate person, and growing up I would learn about issues of the world um, from documentaries and, and, you know, news stories and things like that. Mm. And, um, and I would feel so devastated at the wrongdoings that, go, that are going on with, you know, whether it be animals or people or whatever. Mm. Um, but I found that a lot of times, you know, you'd learn about one of these these problems and then you just you'd finish watching a documentary or learning about it and you'd just be like completely exhausted and drained of emotion yeah. feel completely devastated yeah. because you're like the world is fucked yeah. oh am i allowed to swear yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, it's like the world's, yeah, the, the world's screwed yeah. you know 
big head people up there which which are untouchable. There's nothing that we can do to try and stop them and that's it. And yeah. you just finish and you go, well, you know, w- like what's the point in that? Yeah. And, so, um, and so that's why I wanted to investigate ground up strategies for change mm-hmm. and create media where, yeah, we learn about a problem, but then we go, what can I do about it? Yeah. And then implement those things immediately. Yeah, yeah that's fascinating because um, when I was in my undergrad in science, I did a, a unit, I'm pretty sure it still exists, called Integrated Science. And that was all about how scientists can be involved in creating change. And, awesome. and I love that unit. It was great. Um, did some social media stuff and things like that in it as well. But it was very like top-down focused. So mm. it was all about how um, scientists could be involved in shaping like government policy and mm. the things that have to be balanced when um, policymakers make decisions and things like that. So uh, how is that different from your area of expertise, which you just mentioned is this bottom-up approach? I think that we need to be seeing people attacking problems from every angle. So, you know, I, me from, from the ground up, people from the top down, excellent. Everyone needs to be working um, in every kind of area. But, you know, this idea of ground up strategies for change, it's very em- empowering when people begin to um, be creative in their own lives and implement things um, in their day-to-day activities that they can also influence other people to create that broader change. Yeah. It's a lot more doable and it's quite empowering and people can start small and um and then but then it gradually you know takes over and you take on more you become more empowered you become more skilled and then you can take on bigger and better projects yeah. do you know what's interesting that you were saying when you watch those documentaries you, you get fatigued mm. because the problem seems so overwhelming that like as an individual what could i really do you know mm-hmm. like a, a good example is climate change mm. like what could i really do as an individual but if everybody just make small adjustments in their behavior we can make a, a, a meaningful um impact on 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 how we address this issue um, 100%. And, and it's just interesting because i was just watching a video the other day on coney 2012 mm-hmm. yes and that like when i was when i was thinking about this interview i'm like that social change from ground up as as weird as that movement was but yes. i think it was the first mm. time yes that 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 happened where people um, saw the, 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 the power that social media has in creating these sort of movements. And that movement, I mean, Coney 2012, it was a very controversial thing and, uh, and it's had a lot of ridicule. And I, I actually feel for the guy a little bit because, you know, he ended up going nuts and they got the video video footage of him like in his undies going crazy. No, he the, was butt naked. Yeah, butt naked. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> um, so I, I don't think that he ever intended to do anything to hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, and it was just, he was not very educated in what he was pressing for, but then mm-hmm. it got taken up. Um, by the, a global movement. Yeah. But what he did was some of the fundamental things that we need to do when we communicate for social change in action. Mm. So he pinpoints the idea, then he says the solution, what we can do to change it, mm. and then he shows people, he, he emphasises the collective citizen action. He shows this body, this movement of people that are all like, you know, Coney 2012, we're all in this. We're buying our wristbands and mm. we're liking these posts. And everyone's like, I want to be in that movement. Yeah. And so rather than fear stoking, it's this uplifting, come on, join us, yeah. we can do it. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to follow you because I'm a follower. And, you know, ultimately that didn't really lead to any good change, but it was a really good yeah. model to yeah. show you how we can communicate and then get people involved and to act. It sounds interesting because it's like, it, it, what it sounds like to me is... Um, really the trick is making people kind of feel like they have power. Yes, and, and I that's guess, one of them, definitely. Uh, yeah, I guess this kind of like aligns with 
two things. One, like Amit was just mentioning before, people feel powerless for these really big issues. So giving them that sense of power makes them feel like they can do something. Yep. But also um, the effectiveness of social media. So is this like, are these bottom-up approaches um, becoming more of a, a more of a social media thing or...? I think, um, so there's two things that I want to pick up on there. And the first one was talking about um, empowering people. And to relate this to climate change, this is where we've fallen short in these conversations about climate change. Because it's been doom and gloom, apocalyptic messages, because it's true. Like, if we don't do anything, Mm -hmm. there are going to be um, frightening things that will happen and we're going to have to very quickly change the way we do things to save as many lives as possible ultimately i mean we're already seeing you know refugees um people whose islands are going under and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but with all of these apocalyptic messages in the media trying to prove to people you've got to be so scared and because we've got to change something and yes that is correct and you've got idiots that are like oh, i mean i don't know mm. i've never i have never met anyone who doesn't believe in climate change <laughs> but yeah so you get yeah not face to face i've had discussions with them on the internet uh, no, I've, <laughs> I've, had, I've had plenty of uh, thing where yeah. contact with people who don't believe in climate change i haven't it's a it's a hoax bro oh, it's just I the government's the illuminati they want to make money off <laughs> so it, oh i know and it's like Actually, I did have a conversation with someone who did did kind of say that, and they were like, "Oh no, it's like you know the ploy of scientists and all this kind." Of, and I'm like, "I work with scientists at a uni, and yeah. what benefit do you think they're going to get by saying something that's going to challenge the government? Yeah. Like other way around, mate." Anyway, um, I don't I don't have contact with many people that are climate change skeptics, and but you know this this idea that we still have to try and prove that it's real. It's like millennials working on a new campaign at the moment. We're targeting mil- millennials and getting them empowered. Um, you know, they're not asking that question. They're just like, they're just like, holy crap, we're going to die. Mm. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're already, you know, there's no way that we could um, reduce the, t- the, stop the temperature rising, you know, two degrees. Apocalyptic, me- there's nothing I can do. The I've baby never s- boomers have screwed us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. And there's this real sense of like apathy yeah. and complete, uh, like almost acceptance. Yeah. Like when I've talked to people about, um, a, a project that I did, like washing their clothes less, and and I hear people talking about their clothes that are made in sweatshops. And one of the one of the um, the respondents in my study said, "Oh yeah, but you always wash clothes when you get them from the shops, but especially if it's my kids' clothes, mm. because you know they'd probably be on on the floor at sweatshops, and you don't know what kind of germs." Mm. A- and I'm like, <laughs> "Did we just like skim over the fact that we're completely exploiting, you know, poor, you know, yeah. <laughs> women in these third world very yeah. like?" Like now, it's just so accepted. Yeah, yeah. my clothes are from a sweatshop. Yeah. I, I don't want to catch any diseases from yeah, that rather yeah. than thinking about changes. And it's a similar thing with climate change, you know? Like everyone's just like, oh my God, we're doomed. And then, and there's nothing I can do and I can't change anything. And people like Trump are going to ruin the world anyway, so why bother? Yeah. And if you rephrase things in that Coney way where you show that collective citizen action, you don't make, you d- and you also don't want to be guilting people into things they have to do it because they want to participate they feel good and so that's another thing like you i mean these uh strategies um have to be applied to doable um initiatives like they you have to think about those and work on those really well and then and then communicate them in a way that that makes people want to be involved Mm. so that was one thing what was the other what was the other part that i wanted to say uh was it the social media 
side mm. was the other part that I mentioned. So making people feel empowered, yeah. but also the the success of um, these bottom-up campaigns with the popularity and the increasing use of yes. social media. Yes. Well, um, the exciting thing about now is that never before in the history of mankind have we been less reliant on, um, on commercial broadcast to get a message out there. Mm. So, you know, with all the, like, problems, I think, I think it was Murdoch that had um, – uh, uh, his own paper and some some journalist was like was like you know I want to I want to write this story because this is the truth and he's like when you get your own paper you can write that story but now you're not reporting on that mm. so so never before in the history of mankind have we been able to communicate to a broad audience freely and that's mm. the internet so right now we have the power to to get the collective citizen action that yeah. we need to to keep pushing that message forward and change behaviors and then and then with that power too um, you know, people up the top, like fast fashion outlets, they're never going to, like they make up to, they, well, 24 fashion cycles a year. Every, every two weeks they put new floors, uh, like new clothes on the floor and wipe out old ones. This went from, it used to be winter and summer mm. and then it went to like 12 seasons a year and then it went to 24 seasons a year. Mm. And so, but they're making so much money from people right. running in there wearing something two or three times. They're designed to withstand less than 10 washes. Yeah. But who cares? Because you're, you're only going to wear it once or twice. Mm. So you buy these things, you chuck them on, then you get another thing. And, th and they're making so much money. You make more money doing that than you would doing designer Gucci bags. Mm. So they're never going to go, oh, well, you know, I suppose this isn't that great for the environment. Yeah. And I'm feeling pretty bad for the people that I'm making um, put these clothes together in these sweatshops. They're never going to do that. Right. The only way that they will stop doing it is if, is if they're, they're consumers change their minds and yeah. and and with consumer power i prefer to say citizen power because i i think that we need to step away from this idea of you know just being consumers but but you know we have the opportunity in a lot of cases to show them what we want and even if they don't really want that and at first they might be like yeah 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 oh we're totally like you know with mm. the battery chickens you know how they were having free range eggs no, and yeah. the and some of my friends were like well, I, I've had a couple of people say, yeah, well, um, they've proven that there isn't enough battery chicken, there aren't enough free-range eggs to accommodate all of the um, the demands, and so now they're just using the battery chicken eggs and they're putting it in the free-range eggs, so I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm like, screw that, man. Yeah. No way. You'd be like, yeah, if, they're if they don't have enough supply for demand for free-range free eggs, great, because they're going to yeah. be wiping out the battery chickens yeah. because they're like, they don't even want this anymore. Yeah. So they're just going to go for the bigger dollar, but we can have influence, and even if they, it takes them a little while to warm into oh, that's what they want, and we've got to give the customer what they want, yeah. it'll be a little bit of a transition period, but it does create change. Yeah, It's amazing how how capitalism kind of underpins all of this, mm. right? Uh, unless there's a, 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 a financial incentive, many of these companies won't change their behaviours. And mm. then um, I guess that's where the power of the bottom-up approach comes in, right? Absolutely. Because if you change the customer base of these companies, yeah. then that has a... a in turn effect on their you know they want to appeal to their customer and yeah. yeah and it's also like going bottom up you're changing the culture yes you know and i think that's really important you're changing people's values you, you could potentially change their values yeah um and i was talking to alex on the way about capitalism and how human beings are so screwed because we've been it's like as human beings we we've been conditioned to value money over human flourishing and yep. so we allow these giant companies and governments to just screw people over just so we can make some more money. 
and, and that's really screwed. And it's interesting when you look at um, advertising campaigns and things because all they're doing is tapping into a, an emotion and then associating a product mm. with that emotion. Mm. So, you know, that whether it's, you know, a, a, um, a Chevy with its top down and someone like with, you know, the scarf wrapped around their face and flapping in the wind and that's, and that's implying freedom and, mm. and you know, adventure mm. and, and all of these things, but all they're doing are tying these things that we can actually have for free to, uh, to a consumer good. Yeah, yeah. They're going underneath the, the logic and just like, the, what do you call they're it? just appealing to the like the reptilian the brain, right? Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. But even down to um, uh, like if you look at washing detergent, I was reading for my PhD. Um, I was doing research into um, this the, the fifth world detergent conference. I know, right? You're just like <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh god, this is going to be good. <laughs> Coffee. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was l like learning about how they infiltrate a new market, and they said, and they were celebrating this. Like I was reading this just going, oh my God, I want to burn you guys at the stake. Like it was so evil and, and they were celebrating it. Someone going in there and saying, um, this is how we got a new target market. They called um, LIC, low income consumers. And these are poverty stricken uh, Latino and African Americans who earn less than $2 a day, how they can infiltrate that, that circle because they Take haven't yet and get them to buy fabric softener. Oh I know, and so they got um, their marketing people. See, this is the thing, they do wanna know what we, what we want and what we value, so mm. it does change the way that they do things. But anyway, they got these people to infiltrate the community mm. and they come back with you know, these quotes and values of them, you know, like, we might, be, we might be poor, but we still have pride in our family. Anyway, yeah. so then they curtail a whole advertising campaign where these people are so poor that like ha they can't even buy a bottle of, fa of fabric softener. They go, we'll make these small satchels and you'll be like, hey, on a special occasion, you can get two special occasions out of that. I know, like doesn't that oh blow God. your mind? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, these people don't need fabric softener. Yeah, yeah. They need immunizing, yeah. like they're in poverty. They need, they need an education yeah. like, and these are the priorities. But again, it's learning what your consumers want and, yeah. and accommodating that. Yeah. Maybe we should move on to, because um, that's a nice segue into your uh, Pits for the Planet, uh, Smell <laughs> yep. My Pits for the Planet campaign. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to leave it there. Tell us about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, um, as usual, I have to take you on a little journey yeah, first. Yeah. Um, so when looking at the fashion system, there's, you know, so many resources go into clothes and, and, uh, and rightly so. We're like, oh, my God, you know, like the, my pair of cotton pants will require 15,000 litres of water to just grow the cotton, the one kilo of cotton. Mm. And then you've got, you know, the travel, the dyes, the, you know, the, um, like all of these, uh, like it's hu huge um, ecological impacts on these kinds of things. Mm. So that's a problem. And then you've got the disposal of them. And we've got, you know, microsynthetic fibres entering the food way from like washing our clothes and mm. the plastic waste in, in, in our aquatic life. And then things becoming toxic and, and the landfill and, and chemical leaching and all this kind of stuff. So that's a big problem. Everyone's like, oh, wow, it's such a huge problem. Um, but up to 82% of a garment's total environmental impact happens during the use phase when you wash your clothes. Yeah. So all the yeah yeah so yeah. all the all the water and the chemicals and the and that's where the microsynthetic fibers softness. are released yeah the yeah. fabric softness all of that and even when you think about the white goods that we use you know the washing machine and I don't know when you see those breaking and sometimes like it does look pretty hilarious when they chuck a brick in and then it makes it go yeah. but so many resources went into that everything mm. from your clothesline your pegs your dryers your, mm. all this kind of stuff 
So I um, needed, and the reaction to this is always because we are from a consumerist model. Whenever there's a problem, what do we do? Oh my gosh, we're spreading a lot of chemicals from, from washing our clothes. We better make some detergent that doesn't have as much chemical fillers. Mm. And ah, our washing machines are using so much water. What do we do? Redesign our washing machines. Quick, throw away the old ones, creating lots of waste, and then create these new ones that use less water. Like this knee-jerk consumer reaction. But if, you know, if, if and, and only 7% uh, of the clothes that we wash um, are actually dirty. So 93% of the clothes <laughs> that we wash aren't dirty. So we're just washing out of habit yeah. rather, you know, and routine rather than necessity. And I'm not talking about like your undies and stuff. I mean, like, you know, sometimes you might be able to get a second wash out of your shirt, a uh, second wear out of your shirt. Yeah. And if we could just get one extra wear out of our clothes, the laundry burden is halved and that's with no new products or infrastructure. Yeah. But that delves, but getting people to wash less delves on societal perceptions of cleanliness. Yeah. And the reason that we wash our clothes and the reason w that we wash or clean anything has more to do with a multi-billion detergent, uh, multi-trillion dollar detergent industry mm. than it does about being dirty or clean. Mm. So in tackling this issue, I need to get people to wash their clothes less, but I need to change their perceptions of washing less to not being a shameful oh, you're dirty and lazy, <laughs> to being, you know, like a, if you're thrifty and you're smart, man, you can cheat a wash. Yeah. Like, and what are your treats? So I designed ways to refresh your clothes that don't involve a washing machine. And then I tested them on my clothes and cut the armpits of the, those clothes to a, a <laughs> sniff board. And then I hit the streets of Sydney with a camera crew and a megaphone to ask random people, will you sniff my pits for the planet? <laughs> and I was like, I got, I, and like the most shocking thing for me, I thought that I was just gonna be like chasing people with armpits and they would, but people did it. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I was like, I, got, I was on public buses. I got kicked out of markets. Whoops. And people would like, they, they just thought it was the most hilarious, fun, like, game. Yeah. And, and they would like, literally, I mean, I'd been only 24 hours earlier on a, on a, a push bike going as hard as I can, sweating on some gym clothes and then <laughs> had it off and it was barely dry and pun it, spin, put it to the board and like sprayed it with some lemon. And these people are blanketing their whole face <laughs> and like nose and mouth and taking like this almighty whiff. And I'm standing there frozen with my sniff board thinking part of me is going, this is fucking fantastic. <laughs> and the other part going, oh my God, I know my sweat is on that. So, yeah. so it was like quite confronting and I learned a lot from my own experience yeah. as well as getting people. But then people opened up and mm. talked about how did you how do you cheat a wash like what do you do some people chuck it in the sun some people over a chair or like you know put it on a hanger in the shower and, and it got this conversation the video that i made from that became this um this discussion point that, which i would use for for case studies and mm -hmm. conferences and things like that which which portrayed washing less as this fun um clever activity that also implied that everyone else is already doing it. So you want to get into that community. Yeah. People talking about how they cheat a wash. And yeah. it was positioned in a way that was, yeah, it, it completely repositioned. Uh, like if to the reaction that I got from that kind of goes against a lot of the literature that I'd been reading because everyone's like, oh, societal perceptions of cleanliness. Oh, yeah. what are we going to do? And like governments in England and all this kind of stuff, they're like, how do we get people to wash less like and and then you know turn it into a positive fun activity yeah. and then everyone just jumps on board yeah. much to my 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me a little while to <laughs> smell my pits. Yeah. Uh, that's it's hilarious. amazing because it really shows the power of, like you were saying before, of that ground up um, approach when yeah. you like yeah. give people the the tools and the power to say, look, yeah. this is like a simple thing you can do, like cheat a wash, right? Yeah. And then get help a bonus the wear, you yeah, know? Exactly. But it's also uh, again, it's addressing the subliminal stuff, the emotion, mm. you know, connecting new emotions, new perceptions mm. to washing your clothes. Absolutely. Just basically doing what the companies do to get you to buy money exactly in reverse reverse to get people to stop spending money on stuff they don't need to um, spend money on instead change their behavior exactly and you know with that it's it's i see people go through different phases when they're um, encountering this new idea of whoa let's like wash less Mm. um but so it's quite funny. Like I'll be chatting to someone. I've had uh, numerous times I've had people run up to me who I've never met before but have seen me talk somewhere and they're like, and I'll be having a conversation with someone who may not be familiar with my research and they'll, um, they'll be like, I've worn this top three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah, yeah. And I only washed my sheets once last week. And I'm like, and I'm like, um, backstory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people getting and people getting used to this this kind of idea, like they they go, oh my gosh, this is so amazing! Like, tell me about these techniques that you oh, use, yeah. and it's more about changing the perception than the techniques. The yeah, techniques yeah. were just an excuse to get talking, right. um, but and the, but you know, someone will always say, but what happens? What happens if my clothes are dirty? <laughs> and I'm like. Well, then you wash it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have so to cheat, like, whole, cheat one wash. Yeah, yeah, you has, don't anyone, has anyone come up to you randomly and, and said to you, I haven't washed my clothes for a whole year. <laughs> well, there's a lady <laughs> that's done that. that. <laughs> there's a lady that did that, actually, little brown dress. But my niece, she, she thought my video and, and that thing was so hilarious. And we would be walking through the shops and she'd be like, Annie Hoey. Sniff my pits! And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, transition into Earth IQ. Mm. Um, tell us about that. So this is a really exciting campaign that's going on. And it's, um, I mean, I can talk mostly to my contribution to this, but it's a bunch of academics and um, who specialize in areas of like conservation and climate change and things like that. And then also students who, who want to get involved and, and educated and be proactive. Mm. Um, and basically the objective or for what I can tell from my angle is, is you know, getting millennials um, educated and, and understand what's going on so that they, you know, because we, we need people to be, you know, moving towards, you know, political veins and all this kind mm. of stuff, um, but also giving practical um, advice on what they can do to, you know, everyday life activism, can, can, you know, um, communicating for social change in action. So it's really empowering um, millennials so that we can start to redirect the, the path that we're on right now. Yeah. The people that have got it covered so far are not doing a terribly good job. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to make sure that the next wave is kind of like got yes. the right idea. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, what sort of things um, are, are you guys encouraging them to do? Um, it's at the very initial stage at the moment, and it's a very um, responsive campaign too. So I'm in the process of making some videos for it, um, but with the it is social media and online, so we can get fe- it's very much um, growing with feedback, mm. so that we can you know I'm curious to see um, what what questions pull in and and yeah. and the angles and the interest and and the challenges that come in, so that we can respond to those mm. rather than just. Um, you know, premeditating what we're going to give them. But yeah. the areas of interest are very much like cooling your home, um, you know, what you can do, it, 
pri- because I mean we have you know McMansions now, yeah. just down the road from me. Um, there's all of these huge houses that that got put up, and the the space in between them it's just a concrete jungle, and mm. they've got like space like this. I saw one of them had I mean maybe it's fine I don't really know, but it was you know plastic turf, and and it's just gonna be so hot. Yeah, like all that stuff we take away plants, and mm. you know we're not building houses in the direction so that we're like oh that room's going to be cool in summer and this is going to be so we really need to start thinking about practical ways so that we can mm. cool our homes and cool our cities and you know stuff like that really practical things mm. but then also understanding different academics will have different um, areas that they can specialize in i was talking to oh my gosh and i feel terrible because i can't remember the academic academic's name we can maybe put it up as a super later but um he was i want to do this video about um about space junk like he he's um, he's using these cameras to counteract this problem, but Is he's it like Greg. Yes, yes. Oh. he's like you know space junk. It's a problem. Yeah, we had him on the podcast actually. Ah, yeah. oh, isn't yeah. he fantastic? Yeah, we did. And I'm like, I've got to do this because in yeah. five years, like we might not be able to get out of Earth uh, because we've yeah. got so much junk. And this is a really great example of what we're doing that we can get people interested in, and and it will need similar um, you know strategies so that we can kind of undo that problem. But yeah. when I saw him, I saw him talking. I was interviewing him for another project. And yeah, he's like, space junk, it's a problem. And I was like, oh, you're blowing my mind. What do you mean it's a problem? Oh, and so, yeah, stuff, yeah. cool stuff, yeah, interesting things and practical things. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Cool. Well, we've hit our time limit. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation. Yeah, thank you great. for being on. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention? Yeah, are there any say? websites that you want to plug or anything? Oh, God. Well, go on to Earth IQ on Facebook. I think they're on Insta and various other things, but that would be the one to watch um, yeah. and, and see what happens there. Any personal ones that you want to? Um, I'll probably stick with that one for the moment, yeah, although cool. we do have a. Oh, no, that will. No, that's all I'm going to say because. We can put up any links you want to. I think, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I was like, I was <laughs> going to say, you know, what, like one of the rules when you are working in television and all that kind of stuff is you never ground something in time. So <laughs> I was about to say, this Friday, we've got a greening wall at Parramatta South. <laughs> But that will ground it in time oh, and become irrelevant. We'll release this, we'll release this beforehand, um, before that anyway. Yeah. Um, but cool. check out um, Earth IQ. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Thanks. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. He named your time. Thanks, time. Uh, you know, Rumi, it was one of those things where I was going to say, thanks for your time, Holly, and then you said Holly, and I went, <laughs> and like, well, my mind did like one of those backflips where <laughs> just gibberish came out. You can, blame, you can blame it on that, dude, but I think you're just getting I'm old. I'm just getting man. old. Yeah, yeah. It happens more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Why? He's hitting, getting wise. He's hitting 49. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, guys. Thanks, guys.